You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from House for All Sinners and Saints. We are an Evangelical Lutheran Church in America congregation in Denver, Colorado, and you can find out more about us at www.houseforall.org. She crashed into the Easter Mass with her hair done up in broken glass. She was limping left on broken heels when she said, Father, can I tell your congregation how resurrection really feels? These lyrics from the band The Hold Steady are among my favorite of all time. They've rolled through my head all week as I thought about resurrection and conversion. I kept thinking about how sometimes... Born-again Christians will ask me, when were you saved? And how I like to reply, gosh, I guess it was like over 2,000 years ago now. (laughs) Either that or when asked when I was saved, sometimes I like to answer just again this morning. (laughs) I know what they mean, though. They want to know what my so-called road to Damascus story is. When did I see the light and change my cheating ways? Still waiting. It's funny. It's funny that the term the road to Damascus has become shorthand for religious conversion, though. Since I'm not so sure that Saul's conversion happened on the road to Damascus. Sure, the pure drama of being blinded by a light and hearing a voice from heaven is great material for like a Cecil B. DeMille movie, but for me, the real miracle, the real thing took place after he arrived at Damascus. Saul, which was his name before he changed it to Paul, the guy who wrote so many of those letters later in the Bible. Well, Saul, we are told, was going town to town, arresting his fellow Jews who believed Jesus was the Son of God. And the young hero of our story was so zealous about persecuting Jesus followers that our text says he was breathing threats and murder. The very air in his lungs was self-righteousness and a drive to purge what was impure out of the religion he excelled at, which of course means he'd fit right in the current North Carolina state legislature. (laughs) Anyhow, earlier in Acts, Saul, our young superstar of religious purity, was present at and indeed approved of the stoning of Stephen the first Christian martyr, and now Saul had secured the full support of the religious authorities in Jerusalem to hunt down other followers of Jesus, bind them and deport them to Jerusalem, where they would stand trial and likely follow their brother Stephen in martyrdom. They had been warned, Ananias and the other Jesus followers in Damascus, that Saul was coming. They were understandably afraid and likely angry that their fellow Jew was hunting them down. I know I myself would avoid the guy at all costs were I in their situation. So when Ananias heard in a vision that Jesus wanted him to go and actually seek Saul out, 
The same guy he's trying to avoid, he had every reason to pull a Jonah and go the exact opposite direction. But he didn't, and the result changed everything. Somehow, Ananias' conversion allowed for Saul's conversion because Ananias' own fear was converted to love. And when he found this Saul, he, he laid hands on him and he called him brother. This, I believe, was Saul's true moment of conversion. And I bet it felt awful. It's a fairly crazy-making thing about our faith that our own salvation is so intrinsically tied up into the salvation of people we don't even like. And Ananias laid hands on the man who had been breathing threats and murder against him, and any who called Jesus the Son of God, and he called him brother. It was perhaps a perfect one-word sermon. Ananias had experienced the risen Christ in his midst, and he believed that God can raise the dead, even Saul. This act of forgiveness and reconciliation was so powerful that the scales on Saul's eyes could not help but fall. Saul's old, dualistic, violent ways of seeing evaporated in the face of such undeserved mercy and reconciliation. We're told that, Paul, that Saul then ate and immediately was in the temple proclaiming Jesus as the Son of God and perhaps saying, Rabbi, can I tell your congregation how resurrection really feels? I want that kind of faith. The kind that believes God can raise the dead and convert my fear into love and make a brother of my enemy. Kind of. <laughs> because, honestly, I also want to keep all my own ideas and biases and comforts. I want that kind of faith, but I also want to hold on to any justified anger I have brewing and my self-righteous judgments about people who think and live differently than I do. Sometimes I want to believe that God can raise the dead just like 1% more than I want to remain unchanged. <laughs> Which means that resurrection, the continual conversion to a life of faith in Jesus Christ is gonna hurt a little bit. I mean, I imagine Jesus coming to me in a vision and saying, Nadia, Nadia, and I'd say, here I am, Lord. And he'd say, wake up and go to Highlands Ranch. There, <laughs> there you will find a Donald Trump supporter who, who helped draft the legislation in North Carolina that makes people go into bathroom situations that are not safe for them. They also are a big proponent of reparative therapy and belong to a church that doesn't recognize the ordination of women. And I'd say, Lord, hell no. <laughs> and Jesus would say, get over yourself, which if you listen to my sermons for any amount of time, you know is Jesus' very favorite thing to say to me. Nadia, this person has seen in a vision that a very large tattooed lady will come and lay hands on them. 
so they can re regain their sight. And I'd say, I bet that scared the bejesus out of them. <laughs> and Jesus would say, look, I've decided. I've decided I'm going to use this unlikely person to spread the gospel. But don't worry, it's not like it's going to be comfortable for them. And maybe I would go. I mean, I hope I would go. <laughs> Because I want to trust that God can raise the dead. Now, in a pleasingly ironic turn of events, 16 chapters later in the book of Acts, after Saul became Paul, he himself ends up arrested for his Christian shenanigans. And when he is standing in chains before King Agrippa, he recalls his conversion and that started on the road to Damascus. And at that point, Paul asks everyone in the room, why is it thought so incredible to any of you that God can raise the dead? And all I can think of is, do I think it's so possible that God can raise the dead that I'm willing to see that possibility even in the person who's hurt me or who I've written off so completely? Can I believe it's so possible that God can raise the dead that I'm willing to see it in even the most despicable parts of myself that I've written off so completely? Look at Saul. He was an arrogant and forceful, maniacally driven ideologue, and God's like, I could use a guy like that. <laughs> and God does. God uses Saul's annoyingly certain personality, his rhetorical brilliance, and his passion. In other words, all the things he used to persecute the early church, God used to lift the name of the Lord. All of it. It's like Genesis 50, 20. What you intended as harm, God intended for good in order to preserve a numerous people. God's just like that, like a weird scavenger of salvation. The troparian we sang today as we gathered says, Christ is risen from the dead, trampling down death by death and to those in the tombs bestowing life. It doesn't say Christ is risen from the dead, trampling down death by the power of positive thinking or trampling down death by ensuring we adopt the right lifestyle. No, God is triumphing over death by death, which isn't always the most pleasant thing in the world because sometimes it looks like calling your enemy sister. There is no justice as we understand it and a man seeking out his persecutor, laying hands on him and calling him brother. I'm fairly certain that I cannot muster up that kind of reconciliation on my own. But Jesus says that we don't have to. Jesus says, it's all right, I'll go first. Before he's even dead on the cross, he asks God to forgive those who put him there. He lays hands on his own deniers, goes so far as to make a grilled fish breakfast for them. He was among his own persecutors, and he was bringing peace. This is what allowed Ananias to lay hands on Saul and call him brother, and what allowed Stephen to ask for the forgiveness of Saul and the others who killed him the moment before he was stoned to death. Let us pray. Lord, we are people of the Damascus Road, people of reluctant prophets and hearts of stone turned to flesh and difficult resurrections. 
our own lives cry out for the kind of healing that only comes from you messing with us. Our country is divided. Our families are fractured. Our relationships need mending. As you did with Ananias, convert our fear into love. Send our enemies to lay hands on us and call us brother, sister, friend, so that we might see again with new eyes. Scavenge what is dead in us and bring it back to life. We know it might hurt, but as your people, we will share that pain and then share also in the joy until the day in which we gather around your throne next to all the people we never thought should be there. In your holy and blessed name we pray. Amen. <laughs>